Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 25 of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we got a really special guest for you, Mr. Jack Hanna of the Columbus Zoo. And unfortunately, I couldn't join Josh in this episode, but uh, flying solo, Josh does a great job of interviewing Mr. Hanna, and he talks to him about everything from how he first got his love of animals to uh, building the Columbus Zoo into what is uh, widely considered the number one zoo in America. So uh, it's going to be a really great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. But before we start the show, I just wanted to remind you all that Conquering Columbus is on Patreon now. If you want to go check it out, www.patreon.com backslash Conquering Columbus. And uh, there you can contribute small monthly donations to the podcast in order to help keep us up and running. And every little bit helps us out, guys. We really appreciate any support you can give. Uh, you get cool rewards for donating, so go check it out. Also want to take this time to give a big shout out to our sponsors over at AWH. AWH are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. With over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. To find out more about AWH, check out awh.net, which will be linked up in the show notes. Tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. And I want to give a shout out to another one of our supporters, Max Effort Muscle. For those of you guys who aren't familiar with Max Effort Muscle, they're a nutritional supplement company that just recently launched, supplier of cutting-edge nutritional supplements. Some of their current products include pre-workout, post-workout, and fat burner. Uh, Mike and I just recently started using the pre-workout, and it's awesome. Best thing is they're supplements with ingredients you can understand. Nothing's hidden behind some proprietary blend, and you don't know what's in it. Not to mention the company was started and is run by some local Central Ohio athletes that Mike and I know very well, and uh, we can trust to deliver high-quality product aimed at providing value rather than just making a buck, which is really hard to find in the supplement industry these days. And if you want to find out more about the company, the team behind it, the store behind the company, which is pretty cool, or their offerings, check out MaxEffortMuscle.com. All right, let's get this episode rolling. could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, guys. Thanks for jumping on another episode of Conquering Columbus. Super excited to welcome Jack Hanna from the Columbus Zoo today. And Jack, thanks for joining us. Where we want to start things off is kind of talk a little bit about when did your love of animals and your passion for working with them um, really start in your life? Well, raised on a farm in Tennessee outside of Knoxville. Obviously, we had animals since I was almost born and then uh, did that. And, you know, was in the creeks and outside with all the animals and ducks and squirrels and all kinds of rec- uh, everything you can imagine. Horses, pigs, everything, cows. <laughs> so <clears throat> raised that way and then. Went to work for veterinarian at the age of 11 years old, cleaning cages till I was about 15 years old, every summer, every day. And then when I was about 15 to 16 years old, I went to the Knoxville Zoo and um, 
saw, you know, one of my first zoos in Knoxville, a little, little old zoo, nothing fancy like most zoos back then. And Knoxville's a great zoo today, just like Columbus was when I got here. Uh, not much of anything, but then uh, Knoxville was the same way. Most zoos, a lot of zoos were. But back then I was fascinated by it, and I said, I'm going to be a zookeeper someday. So I never wavered from my dream of being a zookeeper. People make fun of me. And uh, in college back then, you had very few classes, you know, chemistry, which I couldn't even spell. I'm from Tennessee, obviously. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, and biology, stuff like that. But today they have all these courses uh, in these colleges. Ohio State uh, have great courses. Iowa, uh, all colleges have these, uh, you know, some have uh, uh, not necessarily exotic animals, but uh, people have, or young people want to run farms. They have all kinds of uh, different courses, uh, not just veterinary medicine, all sorts of ca- uh, courses in animal husbandry, animal everything. And there was none of that in 1960, uh, 1965 when I went to college, which I'm sure you can see that's how old I am. I <laughs> uh, just gave that away. Anyway, uh, so that's how I got started. And then where did you do your education at and uh, kind of what were some of the, what was your degree in and, and how did that process go about? Well, I don't share this very often, but my degree was in political science. I got drafted during the Vietnam, the Vietnam War, basically, and then I enlisted because uh, I just said I wanted to finish my college. And so, I mean, I finished, I went in 1970, 1972, 71, I don't know, uh, for a couple of years. And uh, then, you know, uh, I graduated Muskingum College in New Concord, Ohio. Uh, where I met my wife Susie of almost 50 years there in 1965. I met her and we got married in 68. And then uh, 69, we graduated. And then right away, I went and opened a pet shop in Knoxville, Tennessee. I mean, it was a beautiful one, too. This was a beautiful place with aquariums and, you know, some dogs and cats and a few animals like that. And had a little petting zoo in the back. And that was my first thing I did out of college to start that. And then I, when I went to the military after two years, a man wouldn't come and buy it. It was a really good, good, good beautiful store. It had boarding candles there. So that's how it started. Then went into service, and then after that, I uh, came back to Knoxville. And uh, I'm sorry, yeah, came back. I was there in Knoxville when I'm talking about because uh, I was in for about I don't know four, six months or something. Had the the, the, the guard there, and that's in the National Guard thing type thing, and I did that for a year and a half or two. I can't remember. Then seventy two, 1972, I went to um, Sanford, Florida. They had a little old zoo down there uh, in Sanford with about I don't know four employees. It covered maybe three acres, or maybe two acres. No, not three. Built many, many years ago. It was it was not good. Like again, a lot of zoos were back then. Not today though. Uh, they're an ark. It's what the zoos are today. And I wish I was an animal coming back to the ark. Uh, but uh, that's why I ended up in Sanford, Florida, out of Orlando for seventy-two, three, seventy-three, four, and then I left in five. I think I went there in seventy-two. A little old zoo, and then from there I went back to Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, to work on the zoo there. And then our uh, daughter, Julie, uh, <clears throat> got leukemia, and we ended up in Memphis, Tennessee, which changed our lives. I mean, I was still in Knoxville, too, stayed with her, and she was very fortunate to survive because 10 other kids didn't. So we were just very lucky, and we came to Columbus, Ohio, uh, because of Nationwide Children's Hospital. And that's how we originally got into here. Uh, however, they were also looking for a, a, a zoo director at the same time. So I was very blessed. It's amazing. It's like winning the lottery. I got to be – the director of the Columbus Zoo in 1978, and then uh, we brought Julie with us because she got her cancer that, uh, right during that period. She was just finishing up her chemotherapy so they could treat her here, and it was just uh, what the hospital nationwide did, hospital did for her was incredible, and what's happened at the zoo is beyond dreams. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, and when you first came to the Columbus Zoo, what were some of the biggest problems facing it, and how did you help to turn those things around? Well, I don't use the word I. A lot of people built this zoo, but... The, I will use the word I, saying that my dad taught me on the farm that you have something that's old, but it doesn't have to be dirty. 
I mean, old but not dirty. When I say dirty, I'm not saying the zoo was a filthy mess. I'm just saying the buildings weren't painted, the bathrooms weren't clean. Um, some of the animals didn't had a lot of mud in their things, stalls. Uh, the gorillas had never been out of their concrete uh, habitats. And I just started seeing things that I, I was going to make changes to. And then I got the great help from the citizens of Columbus, the companies in Columbus, and I won't name them all because uh, there's just so many people involved here of, of making this zoo the number one zoos, not just in the country, probably in the world. Uh, and I, I think now the Columbus is probably one of the largest, if not the largest zoo in the world. Uh, if you take the wilds, you have the 10,000 acres of that, then you've got, you know, um, I think someone told me you can fit about every zoo there is in, in the wilds in the country and have a few acres left over. It's not because we brag about how big we are. We, and we, we do brag about having one of the top zoos because it took a lot of people in this community who are now a lot in heaven up there right now who helped me. Uh, and that's how we got to where we were. It wasn't just me. It's just the first thing I did was uh, I told you paint buildings, clean things up. All was still old in creek, taking animals around the inner city. I did that. That was never done. They wouldn't allow animals off here before. So I just started taking my old station wagon, running around and just doing lectures everywhere, whether it be rotary clubs, any kind of clubs or schools or whatever it was. I, anybody, I don't care if there's 10 people there, I'd go. Uh, so that's how we just started telling the story about the Columbus Zoo, by, by taking the zoo to them. And then we started making some, some improvements up here with a herbivore carnivore uh, complex, which was uh, built. It was like Asia, Africa, and that kind of thing. We've changed it since then. And, of course, I, I can't even go into all the changes that happened up here. It's, it's mind-boggling. The whole zoo has been rebuilt, basically. And uh, that's kind of how the whole thing started with me. It took care of the employees here weren't um, weren't involved in very much. They were just, you know, workers here. And that's not – I changed that overnight. They had the sewers and drains department uh, outfits on, not the Columbus Zoo outfits when I got here. <laughs> because the sewers and drains were over the zoo until Mel Dodge, who's now – like my dad, he's the one that hired me. He was head of all parks and recreation. He's now since passed away. Mel has. And he's the one that really made the big turnaround. We got us a little bit of money to try and clean things up up here. And he loved animals. So that was a big start for me along with some other names. And I, I, once I get started on names, it's going to be impossible. So, But that's how the whole thing, he let me do things up here. And I don't think anybody ever <laughs> kind of cared. And I just, we, one idea I had was put the gorillas outside. We have the first lowland gorilla, as you know, Colo, born in the world. She's now the oldest living girl in the world. She was born in 1956. Can you imagine that? So add that up. Uh, she broke every record for the oldest girl in the world, still alive today, born in 1956. She was in every magazine in the entire world, by the way. National Geographic, everything was doing the story on her in 1956. Then, of course, we have twin gorillas here in 1983, the first zoo in the world to successfully have born twin gorillas. I think we're the only zoo in the world with like, I don't know, five, six, seven generations of gorillas. So you can see... That was the gorillas had never seen hardly daylight or grass. So the first thing I did was I went to um, Mr. Worthington Industries. Mr. McConnell helped me just with our very first big thing. We moved the gorillas outside in the elephant in the old elephant habitat. People said it couldn't be done, and so one thing about me: when you tell me I can't do it, then I'll some, figure out some way to do it. I was taught never use the word "can't." For example, you obviously can't jump out of, of, a, of a plane at fifty thousand miles up in the air. I mean, there's certain things you can't do. But when you think you, how do you know you say the word can't unless you try something? So that's how we really built the zoo uh, up here was the gorillas. That was a major first thing. And then we just started every little place fixing everything up. And now it's all brand new. So, yeah, it sounds like, you know, you give credit to a lot of other people, um, which I we noticed is a trend here on our podcast among people who have achieved success. You know, they always realize the support of the people around them and they couldn't make it without those individuals. But Obviously, there's something unique about you, whether it be your vision or your ability to say 
um, that you never say can't that had helped you to grow it into what it is today. Do you think there's anything in particular that really separates you from other people who have tried to do similar things around the country at different zoos and just haven't been as successful? Well, you know, and, and, and they have their right to do this. A lot of zoos, as I said, don't take animals to other places. Not, and that's their policy, and that's fine. But we have been very successful here because of what we created here was that the animals, we didn't have to take them out there and just show off. This is not some circus. We, and by the way, I'm not a ringing circus, did a great job educating me as a young boy. Uh, obviously, they you know, stopped the elephants, but they also breed the number, the number one breeder of Asian elephants in the world. So uh, they stopped that. But then again, you know, the point is, this is not a circus we have running around up here. We come out here to educate people. The number one goal of the Columbus Zoo is education. Yes, it's conservation, but you cannot have conservation without education. And a lot of my cohorts, a lot, several now, I think understand where I come from. But there might be several that disagree that conservation comes first. But you can't have that. You have to educate your local folks that come here, or now nationally they all come here. Uh, you have to educate them first because then they'll, and, and teach them about conservation. And that can happen very quickly if you do the right thing at your zoo. So, yes, we do things differently here. Uh, by whether I was very blessed to go on TV or not, I don't know. I never saw TV. <laughs> I never even wanted to be on TV. It just started with Good Morning America in 1983 when our twin gorillas were born. And Letterman called up in 85, and I never even heard of him. Did that for 30-something years, over 100 shows. And then, you know, back then we were doing Hollywood Squares. We were doing uh, uh, the thing with um, – uh, what was the guy that was one of the co-hosts there at uh, – uh, the late shows way back in the 1960s and 70s. Anyway, we did some of those shows, and then we just did, did at Larry King for 20 years. We still do Fox and Friends, Anderson Cooper. Um, we're now doing the um, – I think it's one of the first times I've talked about it. We're now doing the James Gordon show, the Late Late Show. I leave uh, tomorrow to go out there and do that Thursday night. That will be our fifth show in a year and a half. And we're probably going – he'll be the late show we do. And I've heard that he'll be taking over uh, Colbert here uh, in the next year or so. So – I don't I don't pay attention to ratings. I don't pay attention to time slots. I pay attention to people. When we do a show, a lot of shows we don't do because they, they kind of want me on there just, you know, having fun with an animal. We love to go on the shows. I do, you know, try to educate people in a fun way. Uh, you know, we have a lot of people who educate in a serious way. And that's fine, but that's not how I do it. I do it with respect to the animals, but I also have a good time sharing my knowledge, what little it is, with the people and hear the, hear the host, you know, comment on things. And I could go on and on, but many more shows we've done. We do right now that we do six national shows on a regular basis, and we do the three national television series, the Jack Hanna Wild Countdown, sponsored by Nationwide, the End of the Wild by Nationwide, and then uh, a lot of the old uh, animal adventure shows that we run around the, around this country and around the world. So, you know, the zoo, the Columbus Zoo is exposed to I don't know how many millions of people every week, and I don't know how many tens of millions have been exposed over the last uh, thirty years. So, you know, my job is to go out there and get the Columbus Zoo. Uh, on the map and let people know that, you know, um, I never forget when I first started here, people say, you're in Columbus, Ohio. What's there? I said, what's there? We're going to make a beautiful zoo. And I love the people in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I was raised in Tennessee on a farm. My wife's from New Jersey, but uh, I love it here because my daughter's um, being basically saved by the hospital here. (laughs) And then also um, the children's hospital here. So, you know, it's just been one of those things where you, you, we've just been very blessed to be here in Ohio in Columbus, so following along with all those changes that you guys made at the zoo and how your presence on television began to evolve and grow, is there anything really that in particular that stands out as just a pivotal moment in your career up till now, whether it be with the zoo or personally, that has really shaped to where you are today when you look back on it? 
Yeah, well, the, the major event would say to, to, to have the money to do it, as you well know, are the levies. And when you get the first levy, I can't remember what that was, uh, late 80s, early 90s, whatever. Um, um, that was very critical. Uh, it really was a turning point of the zoo as far as the zoo was going to go somewhere. But as far as how we could enlarge the zoo from, I don't know, 90 acres, whatever it is, to 600 a day with our entire complex up here. Um, and so, you know, our African veld is huge. And without the levy, we couldn't have done it without the citizens of Franklin County and other surrounding counties in certain ways. Uh, the voters here and other people, obviously, the companies here, without them, the beautiful companies, uh, if I start listing them, I don't, I can't do that. But I'm just telling you that, um, you know, it's been phenomenal, the support of the Columbus Zoo. I've just been very fortunate to be a so-called a leader up here, I guess. But when, you have, when you're a leader, you ask me, I think, a question I never answered for you is, is it's about people. Problems with zoos have never been with animals, ever. It's always been with, um, having done this since 1969 professionally, it's always been the people that work in these zoos. Not because the people are doing anything wrong. They're good people. Most all these people are dedicated people that you wouldn't believe. They don't sit here and ride around and, uh, you know, they don't. Have, they do it because of their love, not for the money. They do it for their love. And there's a lot of people like that today. Whereas back then in Columbus, when I came, first came to the zoo, we had to use uh, volunteers, part-time, uh, not prison labor, but labor when people have a, do do a work off, you know, if they get help for something and they don't go to jail, then they do a work, you know, work program. And we had a lot of that when I first got here because I couldn't get ready to work up here. <laughs> and now if you have an anim animal opening in a position up here you, in 24 hours, you're going to have, I don't know how many, how many people apply for it. So I always believe in, you know, I let the people come up with ideas when I first got here. I let them give me your, I met with every single one of them. I didn't even been here two weeks in 1978. What, what would you like to do? Uh, um, Mr. Hanna, I, I want to try and do something to cheat this. I got an idea. Good. Uh, also, Mr. Hanna, I want to try to do something with a polar bear. I think I can breed the polar bear and I'm going to have a camera back there, but I need a big a culvert or a concrete culvert that goes under highways. Where I can dig a hole in the back of the polar bears, which was here when I got here. Not a very good habitat. But I can let them go into like a hibernation situation where they breed and they go back there and have their babies. I said, oh, why not try it? So I went and got a big old piece of culvert from the city of Ohio, Columbus, city of Columbus. We buried it behind the bear thing, which wasn't it, it wasn't bad, but it sure wasn't good, the best. And then the bear bred, went back there. Believe it or not, this young man had a baby polar bear. Our attendance went up, I don't know how much that summer, well over 50,000 in people. So you see what happens when you give people – not just, hey, you go in and do this. You go in and cook that. You go there and fix this. You go over there and, and just clean your animals. You you can't, you know, that's not how people operate, at least not under me. I said, what would you like to do? As maintenance department, that was the, uh, uh, we didn't even have an education department. We started that. I think we had one department. That's just run the zoo. And I divided up in different departments. It might be the birds, then the reptiles, then the, uh, they had a few of those departments, but a lot of them just, everybody just going like a mob, going together. Then we divide things up and, Everybody had their jobs. I let them do certain things, you know, that they'd never been allowed to do. And that's how we grew to this today. So how do you think that you've been able to balance um, taking feedback and ideas from different team members and then combining that with your knowledge and expertise? Has it ever been difficult to say maybe this won't work or do you just try it? And if it doesn't work, then you move on. I, I usually try it. If it doesn't work. It's like what, climbing a tree. You know, to be successful in life, you want to climb a tree to, to, to succeed, to keep going. Uh, advancing that kind of thing, but you don't want to, to break the limb, especially when dealing with obviously animals. And you got to be careful with what you. <laughs> I came up with some crazy ideas, no doubt about it. But I knew some of them wouldn't work, so I never told anybody. But I do know that some of them would have worked, which they said it wouldn't work. For example, the gorillas. Uh, we were the first ones, uh, We, I guess under my leadership, so to speak, we uh, put the gorillas outside 
for the first time in the history of the gorillas. I don't know how many years were in the concrete things there and no grass. We put them outside. We took the old elephant habitat, which I saw. Remember something? I never saw a gorilla in Tennessee where I was from or even had one at the little zoo there. So I just had read about them. And then I said, we're going to take the uh, elephant habitat. We're going to lower the inside. You know, there's a moat there if you ever saw a picture of it, the zoo. It's a yard, elephant yard, just covered in dirt and sand. Then they had a, this little wall there, and then you dropped into a moat. And then the outside wall was higher. I said, you guys, we're going to do this ourselves. We did most of every bit of it ourselves. We lowered the inside wall, the elephant thing. We raised the outside wall. They had a moat there. We fixed up the whole dirt thing with the grass and a little beautiful little pond there for the uh, gorillas to swim in. So I said, you know what? I'm going to move the gorillas to the elephant house. They go, what in the world? Some of the employees go, oh, my gosh. I said, well, I think this thing will work. And so um, that was my first. Uh, there's, again, a lot of donors. And uh, Mr. McCollum, he was the one that um, gave us some money. And, and he, we, by golly, <laughs> To move the gorillas to the elephant habitat because the elephants were gone when I got here. So that was people said that couldn't be done. Well, it was there until we built the new habitat. <laughs> so it worked pretty good. But that's how that's what I try to do was take care of things that could have been a lot better. And we did that right away. Painted things, fixed things up, got a food court, um, just did real neat little things there. You know, it that that didn't take a whole lot of money, but you know, it's what started the whole program there, I guess. And when it comes to funding for those kind of projects, a lot of it coming from outside parties, like you said, businesses in the area that you reach out to and ask for help or um, kind of where is that coming from? Well, like I said, well, the levy, the levy is the one that really made the major kickoff. I mean, just the people, citizens of, of Central Ohio, I'm sorry, of Columbus, of Franklin County and the city of Columbus and some outlying areas. Obviously, the levy was in Franklin County. And these people, I think, saw what we were doing up here and saw the potential. And it wasn't that much at all. Uh, I mean, it's like somebody tried to relate it to the first levy, like to, um, uh, uh, I don't know what cigarettes cost. I don't smoke or like a pack of those things. Several, I mean, a bunch of them, you know, a little pack, I guess, or it could be uh, a pack of pop or something. It wasn't the first levy was incredible as far as not just being low. The point was we got some income to do these uh, capital improvements. Not to pay employees to do capital improvements with that, and then all of a sudden, then the private industry, the private business here in Columbus, then they took the upper, upper hand, and, and just with that, the whole thing took off. I mean, if it, I don't think the levy could have given you today what we have, but the levy with the beautiful companies here in Columbus. I mean, you look at Columbus, Ohio; they're one, they have to be one of the top ten giving cities in the country. And I will not name some of the states or cities I've been in because there's some of them down toward the bottom. <laughs> but you know that that's what Columbus is. You look at your hospital here look at children's look at i mean go on i don't care what, what they all are i mean I've, I've been in several of them and they're all phenomenal hospitals uh, and obviously children's i mentioned all the time nation my children's hospital because my daughter still going there at 40 years old so you see that with all these people and how giving this community is that's how the zoo is built how do you think all these other things are built whether it's uh you look at what we have here in this, in this beautiful uh, uh city of columbus ohio i mean look at how this city is being ranked right now I mean, it just shows you what can be done if everybody works together, not arguing with each other uh, politically wise or anything else. You have to be together. And this 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 city's the most together city I've ever been involved with. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the current conservation efforts that you and your team are focusing on and how can people out there listening help you out? Well, I don't know the exact number. I think it's 60 plus projects around the world we have, 60 something we support. And by the way, half those are supporting people. Uh if you can't help people, you can't help out animals. I mean, that's what I try to explain to people. Uh, uh, you know, having traveled the world, every continent in the world, and seeing what I've seen uh, in places that I can't even get back into, 
because of the way the situation is with the world today. But what I've seen is a memory of a lifetime for me. And a lot of it's been incredible. Some of it's been very heartbreaking, uh, not just with animals, but with the people, uh, cultures that I filmed that don't have what all we all have. And the Columbus Zoo helps. Uh, it's called Partners in Conservation. We have not just the whole gorillas in Rwanda took us there. But what I ended up doing is building uh, three, maybe four schools now. We have three to take care of the kids, not just that lost their arms and legs, having a genocide or have uh, problems from birth. Um, you wouldn't believe what this community's done. Uh, the, some of the major companies here to help us build those schools, educate the poachers, believe it or not, the ones that we now have working for us, uh, taking care of the gorillas and other animals, but also the schools that have nothing to do with animals. Uh, because Rwanda is the safest, most democratic, cleanest country in Africa right now after the terrible thing that happened in 1994. So it shows you what you can do if you work with the right people. There are certain countries in Africa I won't go near because it's so corrupt. But uh, the ones we support are those that we, for example, our zoo, if you if you donated, let's say, I don't know, $100 to the conservation program as a zoo, I can tell you now from this desk, $90 plus, maybe $95 will go towards the cause. Because we have buildings here. We have the staff here. We have everything here. We don't have to rent buildings. We don't have to rent cars. We don't have to do airplanes and buy them and fly around. We don't have to do all this stuff. And so the Columbus Zoo it has to be one of the top people in the country to, 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 to say that what we get here, we go to the cause. And we also check out those causes too. We don't, we don't just say, oh, here it is. We never show up to check them, no matter what country it's in. Over the years, we check these things and see the progress. Some things you see on television about how they keep asking. It's been, they've been asking for 10 years now. And the same old problem, isn't it? Well, you ought to wise up. You still see the same ad after 10 years, and you have to stop it. You know, so that's, that's how we monitor our things up here. And we have a great program up here of all the people that work here. Um, I used to know every single person here, but not, I couldn't possibly do that now uh, with the several thousand that work here during season. <laughs> during our big busy season. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not. Our whole complex has 3.1 million people. That's the largest attended event in the state of Ohio when you add our complexes. Uh, the events, the Columbus Zoo, the uh, beautiful water park we have in Beasy Bay, the wilds, for example. My gosh. Uh, people don't know about the wilds. And just a second here, the wilds, when I went to Muskingum College in New Concord, Ohio, I went bike riding down there with my wife where the big muskie was. I mean, the, uh, it's a beautiful thing that, you know, they were ripping apart for coal or whatever it was down there. It's a mess. And you get, look what happens. You know, a lot of us sit here and sometimes we knock an oil company or we knock a coal company, we, whatever you want to call it. And yet if you look at what these people give back, it's much better, much bigger than those people that are complaining. Uh, the wilds, AEP gave the zoo the wilds and 10,000 acres that they rehabilitated, which I could not believe when I saw it in, many years ago in 79 or 80, whenever it was. We started the wilds, and now it's the largest probably – well, it is the largest conservation center in the United States. It's probably one of the largest in the entire world. Again, we didn't want to be largest. It's just, again, what did I say? The giving way that this – what people that live here and companies that are around here. Uh, the wilds are still developing, by the way, and, and more and more people hear me should get out there and see it because um, it gets real cold here pretty soon. We do have it open certain times in the winter, but from like April through uh, October – it's magnificent. I travel the world. And I'm, if I didn't have a little cabin in Montana or something, I'd be living in the wilds. Uh, southeastern Ohio, rolling hills. You don't see a house from anywhere. It's spectacular. So you take that. You take the water park. Take the zoo. You take the, zoo, uh, the golf course we have here. That All the income there goes back into the zoo. Uh, you're talking about four entities that are, I mean, I don't know if another zoo. In, well, no, other than San Diego and some of the zoos. Is, I wish they could all have what we have. But. The citizens built the zoo. It's that simple. Jack Hanna just had to be here, just like a person just 
kind of created things. That's all. <laughs> yeah, one of our previous guests, uh, Mr. Alan Proctor, he's uh, used to be a former CFO at Harvard, and he does some social enterprise things in the community now. And he applauded the zoo for its ability to balance, you know, profit and mission and bring all those things together. And it sounds like you guys have had an amazing team of passionate people who have really just focused on the vision and not necessarily trying to create something um, bigger or better, but just make something the best, which is yeah, no, we, cool we never, we never, you know, that's, you put it very well. I never, I keep saying big, it's just, you know, it's not my fault. It's, the wild got 10,000 acres. It's not anybody's fault. We just saw the zoo growing so fast. When I got up here, there wasn't one house around this place. You go to Powell, you went across the tracks, you had the first little thing there, two, three buildings, a hardware store and something else. Now you see what's happened here. Columbus is here. People would tell me in the early days, you can't have a zoo up there. It's too, way, way too far away. Well, you going to work. Well, Columbus is here right now. And, and with that said, you know, we always work not just to buy this little plot or this little plot, that kind of stuff. We didn't do it just to, oh, we're bigger, bigger, bigger. We had to do it because we had more and more animals that were coming in here that had to have help with natural habitats like the polar bear and stuff. And now because of the, our work with the polar bear, we, I shouldn't say, but we have a, we support the, all, every animal around the world almost. Uh, and by the way, the zoo world last year gave $182 million to animals in the wild. And that some people, you know who some of the other folks are. They might not believe in what we do, but you need to take a lesson and see what we do. Not many people give that kind of money to animals in the wild, and we do that. And the, you know, the Columbus Zoo up here, we expanded because people were more and more people were coming, and but more and more animals had problems. And so we knew we, if we had the land, we could help. The first thing was we had to get the land, and people were, you know, we had tremendous trustees here that worked on getting the land for us. They know that they would negotiate it, and then again, what did the levy do? Helped us get some of the land and, and that kind of thing. So. The city of Columbus, Franklin County, I don't know how to thank them. And also don't know how to thank all the visitors from the state of Ohio. And also thank all the visitors from I don't know now. It could be 35 plus states that come here during the, during the year all over the place. And that would be given to a lot of the blessed TV we've been able to do over the years. Not just Jack Hanna, but a lot of the staff here. You know, a lot of them are doing the television now. I mean, I don't live forever. <laughs> Nothing lives forever, by the way, um, except a rock, a big old rock probably. Who knows? <laughs> anyway. Um, um, you know, you sit back and you, you know, I go by the zoo by my, myself, um, a lot. Uh, I like to go around my, my, with myself a lot, but I don't get very far, but I love to go around the zoo and, and, and see it. And I don't believe it. I still don't believe it. I think even the visitors don't believe it. I know a lot of people that, that helped us up here many, many years ago are still alive, come up here and they sure don't believe it. John Wolf, for example, there's a perfect example. He just passed, you know, one of the greatest families in the world. And John was one of the greatest men in the world of the Wolf family. He's gone now recently, and I'll tell you something. They saw the potential of the zoo. The Columbus Dispatch were there from the very start to do the stories on the zoo. Some of them weren't the best as far as I'm not – they did a great story, but we didn't have much to talk about. And then over the years, they would work with us and announce baby births, announce this, announce all the programs we have up here, like the, the 4th of July. I mean the uh, the Halloween thing coming up, the Christmas lights. Oh, Christmas lights, my gosh. That's probably one of the finest in the entire world up here in the zoo, not just a zoo anywhere. And these all we added this added this to it. You know, before the zoo was here, you know, animals in daytime shut down. That's it. Up here, we have all sorts of benefits for for it could be hospitals, it could be uh, uh, kids that are uh, they're you know have certain issues. I can go on and on for you. What we do for schools. I mean, I, the list is too long. The list. If you want to get here, about sixty different things we do. Before we did one thing: take care of the animals. Open the gates. Bam! Shut the gates at four o'clock, and that was it. Well, that didn't work for me. So we created all these different things over the years. I mean, every time I turn around, we're creating something new up here. You never know what's going to be at the Columbus Zoo the next year. I mean, I might have Bigfoot next year, but don't tell anybody. I guess people just hurt me. 
I've been looking for him for like 30 years in the Smoky Mountains. I, just, I may have seen a glimpse of him once, but that's what my buddy told me. But my buddy, he was, I don't know, he didn't, couldn't even see. I'm just kidding. But, you know, we're always doing something up here and planning for something. And I'm going to share the people that visit here. And especially I'm talking to people, I guess, in Central Ohio right now. Uh, we'll, as long as I'm here, we'll keep this zoo uh, a friendly zoo and a zoo you can learn from in a fun way. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and you heard it here first. Bigfoot to Columbus Zoo next year on the Conquering Columbus podcast. So we'll make sure uh, we get the word out for you. But um, Okay, <laughs> the minute I get here, I'll tell you before I tell ABC or anybody, CBS, NBC. Uh, and, and then, of course, all the TV channels. I should have mentioned this real quickly. And radio people, after I was here a couple of years, I must thank them. Not just having me on, but coming here to cover the zoo. I mean, nobody wanted to cover the zoo back then. The dispatch back then. The, all the networks here, you know, uh, Channel 10, 6, and 4, and the rest of them, uh, Fox, I mean, I, don't, I, I shouldn't mention them. I know those are the main ones here. Without their help, I don't know if we would even be here right now. Just to help me pass the levy, helping the whole zoo pass it, help the, um, the people exposure to what we build up here. With all The media here, I'm going to tell you something. It's also, the media in, in central Ohio here has helped build this zoo uh, just as much as all of us together. I mean, all of us together, but the media have built the zoo. Without the media, I don't know what we could have done. Yeah, like you're getting, like right here on this plob or pod, not plob. Sorry, I don't do a lot. I do a lot of kind of computer work. <laughs> They're laughing at me at work in the office right now because I don't mind telling the folks I don't have a computer. Actually, not because I'm from Tennessee. Um, it's just because you know right now I'm so overwhelmed with a lot of things that that I I don't know if I get addicted to it because I have to learn how to turn the thing on. But I just I just want to go out and and kind of act like the world when I go in the wild is the same it was thousands of years ago and I had to have my mind tell me that in a lot of places I'm going to go to Tanzania and uh, Rwanda and then I go to the Belize and back into uh, Costa Rica so this year shows me that the ones I'm feeling right now I'll be on for next fall this fall yeah so you know it's just you can't do all this and and be you know and yes the computer world runs everything right now but for me I have to concentrate on the beautiful staff I have here in my office we have three people here we have obviously a lot of employees at the zoo, and all of us work together. But these uh, three folks help put together all the the media I do, all the uh, a lot of the uh, philanthropy we do here with our staff downstairs. And again, all the divisions here at the zoo work together. And that was one thing that also wasn't being done. That's a key to any business, by the way, right there. You just can't have these little uh, things and put everybody in a plob or pod or whatever you call them, and just you know they sit there and live their lives here. Everybody has oh, let's communicate by computer. I I, I don't. If you're two doors down from somebody, go down and talk to them in the face. And you'll take care of your problem real quick. So that's how I operate. Yeah, that's great. And I, I love your insight and uh, the way that you kind of approach life and the, and the way that you um, handle your day-to-day and try to keep things as simple as possible. And, and to respect your time, I know we're wrapping up here pretty soon, but um, you've experienced yeah, – I better yeah, ask you one more question. I guess they're waiting for me. I better – I forgot. I had somebody downstairs there that I have to do a thing for. So one more question. I, I'll be about it, I hope. I'm not hope. I don't mean hope. That's terrible. I've had a lot of fun. You've had great questions. I really have. You won't yeah. believe some of the questions after. Do you have questions? Yeah, we only got one more for you. Is there anything from all your experiences, all the places you've traveled, that um, any story in particular that you want to wrap up with that really represents you and your life up to this point or anything in, in, in your mind that's popping out? Oh, you know, you, you said life, but I, I must say I missed miss one thing my wife. <laughs> Almost a few months from uh, from 50 years of being married, and uh, I must tell you that Sue, Susie, um, met at Muskingum College. The point is that I never thought I'd be back in Ohio. And so I'd have to thank my wife here. Some people ask me, what's my favorite animal? I just have a little fun. I tell my wife, you know, they get all laughing and stuff. But uh, we're all animals. But anyway, um, it's um, with, with Sue, it, 
is lived with me obviously these many years, even before that, to try and you know help me with what I do. And she's been more of an inspiration than anybody to to, to do that because it's been twenty four seven a lot of those years. I mean, I never took a, one day off in the zoo in the first five or five and a half years, not one day. Christmas, I'd ride to Christmas Eve. I'd ride to Knoxville five hours, Tennessee, have a little breakfast, have a Christmas lunch, and drive back at seven o'clock at night. I never missed one day in five and something years. So, you know, that's what it took. My dad told me. Uh, my dad told me three wor- words when I was growing up: hard work, that's two words, and enthusiasm. He said, "Jack, I don't care what you do, farm, you have a gas station, whatever, but work hard and love what you do." And that's what he meant. So, I can just tell you now. You, you, you asked me the question. Which, by the way, I have AT&T or AD. What do I have? So whatever. I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> just just if you had anything in particular life. that you wanted to wrap up the show with. But I, I think that was a, an awesome note to kind of finish it up. Just you work hard and have enthusiasm. Yep. I think that's a great message to leave our audience with. Yeah, that's it right there, everyone who's listening. I don't care unless you are very blessed. That's fine. But the point is, it took a lot of hard work on all of our behalf. It took a lot of love. And as I said, every employee up here, I don't care if you're in the office taking care of finances. I don't care where you are in the zoo. Uh, all the employees here, uh, they love this place. And we don't, if you look at our turnover here, you'll see it's very, very low because people love it here. It's not because they're sitting up here, you know, making millions of dollars. They're up here. Uh, we report everything we do. We're an open place up here and we all love what we do. We're very blessed to be here. Well, we're lucky to have you and your team, Mr. Hanna. And again, I appreciate your time. And uh, Just call me Jungle Jack. I don't like Mr. Hanna. <laughs> we're lucky to have you, Jungle Jack. And, uh, Again, appreciate your time and looking forward to seeing all the things that the Columbus Zoo is going to keep doing. And um, hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you. And you will have this first story in Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Conquerors, that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed our time with Jungle Jack Hanna. And uh, you heard it from him first. When he finds Bigfoot here in the Smoky Mountains, we will have the story. And I really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Uh, If you like this episode, rate us on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on all our social media so you can be up to date on everything conquering Columbus. I want to take this time here at the end to, again, thank our sponsors, AWH. They are builders of exceptional digital products for the web and mobile that drive business for select growth companies. And with over 4,500 applications developed and 10 million users enjoying AWH applications, they are focused on solving problems and improving lives through better software applications. To find out more about AWH, check out awh.net. And tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. All right, guys, that's episode 25. We'll talk to you next week. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Columbus.